<laughs> Runs in the family. series on miracles and so I was doing some googling and we have some resources that we go to sometimes when we want to get some inspiration and I uh, found this pastor a pastor that I'm familiar with um, Craig Greshel I'm sorry Craig Greshel who gives away resources for free and so this video and the graphic and the title when pigs fly is, is actually from him I come up with most of our titles for all of our series. Pastor Melissa comes up with a few here and there. Uh, but this title is uh, not original, uh, not original to Craig Greshel either, um, but the series is original. So the words that we come up through the power of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Melissa, are ours, um, and we'll take a few stories from him here and there. Uh, but of course, when pigs fly is a common phrase, and so we say when pigs fly, sarcastically when we think something is never going to happen. And so, like, Pastor Melissa probably says, uh, when I say, well, after I do dinner um, or make dinner, I'll do all the dishes, too. And she'll say, yeah, right, when pigs fly. <laughs> um, and so you get the point. And, and so we say that uh, sometimes when uh, we think nothing or something's not going to happen. Um, and so it's a great title for when we're going to be talking about miracles this month. Um, one of the interesting things is that, that we do as a society is we attribute things and, and overuse the word miracle sometimes. And, and, and so sometimes that diminishes the work of God uh, because we claim that uh, like when we go uh, to Walmart and there's a spot open uh, close to the door, we say, oh, well, that's a miracle. There's a spot open. Well, you know, not necessarily. That just means Catherine was leaving at the exact same time that we were coming and it worked out. Um, and so when we're talking about miracles, we're not quite talking about those kinds of coincidences or good timing. Um, we're talking about when God breaks in uh, into our world and gives us a foretaste of the kingdom of God. And so when God, who is living and is active, does something miraculous uh, for us or in our community uh, or that we witness uh, a, a true miracle. So if we went to uh, Walmart all the cars parted as we came down <laughs> through. Yeah, that would probably be more of a miracle uh, in the biblical, yeah. in the, in the yeah, biblical sense. Yeah, that's right. 
But a miracle, just simply for our purposes, that we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks is, is truly where God intervenes. So it's not our power. It's not the power of a you know another person or another thing. It's when God intervenes in our ordinary lives and does something extraordinary. There's no other explanation. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about miracles. Um, and so over the next few weeks, there's... There's um, four different types of miracles. There's miracles of healing. So, yeah, we need some healing at our house. Miracles of protection. We need some protection at our house. Uh, Miracles of provision. We've got a lot of bills to pay now. So we've already had some miracles of provision with that, and maybe we'll talk about that that week. Um, And then we need some miracles of deliverance. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is miracles of deliverance. We're going to start with the one that is a little bit creepy first in terms of demons and devils and and things that we're going to talk about, spirits um, and being delivered from those we're going to talk about the first week. Um, It's probably the least talked about miracles, and and depending on how you grew up or where you grew up or what type of church you were involved in, if any, and what your parents and grandparents and Sunday school teachers thought about um, miracles of deliverance uh, would be whether you're familiar with some of this stuff or not um, or if you saw The Exorcist growing up. Anybody see that movie where the little girl's head turns and that was like based on a true story in the Georgetown area, right? Of Washington, D.C. Um, and so, so yeah, so we're going to start off tonight talking about demons. So that's a fun thing to talk about at 8 o'clock at night before we're going to go home and go to bed. Um, and so... So, um, but, but here, here, here's the thing. So, the great, some, some theologians and some Bible people say, and um, Craig Greshel says, that one of the greatest tricks that the devil, devil, that Satan, has ever pulled is convincing us and convincing the world that he doesn't exist. All right? That there's no such thing as the devil. So they say that's one of the, that's one of the devil's tricks is to make us believe that oh there's no such thing as devils and, or the devil or, or demons. Um, and so one of the things to think about before we go any further with this topic is is this fact that is Christianity and as we navigate this life of faith, it's not a playground. All right, so this is not all fun and games. This is not like you commit to Jesus and your and your life is great and easy. Um, that's not the biblical narrative. That's not what the Apostle Paul would say, for example. The Apostle Paul would say, it's not a, a playground, it's a battleground. And so, for example, in multiple places in Paul's letters, including Ephesians, he says things like this often, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So our enemies aren't each other, or the per- bad boss at work, or you know, our uncle that's getting on our nerves and trying to take all the family money. That's not our true enemies. We are fighting against not flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so that's the Apostle Paul. And so when he talks about demons and uh, what, what is Paul talking about, Sometimes we will say stuff like, um, 
or think that the evil spirits that we feel or that we need to be exercised against are our old dead enemies or family members, like Uncle So-and-so. Man, he was he liked to raise hell when he was here on earth. He's a demon now, now that he's dead. That's not the biblical narrative when it comes to demons. Um, demons are fallen angels. And the leader of the fallen angels was Lucifer, or what we call the devil. Um, and, and there's a couple different places. It's, we can't get into all this tonight in one night. Um, but if you want to just make a note for homework, um, you know, all throughout the scriptures, there's places in the Old Testament especially. And then, But Isaiah chapter 14, I believe it is, is a good place where it talks about uh, the fallen angel Lucifer. Um, and how he tries to, and what he's going to do. And basically, he's going to try to mimic God to trick us. And we'll talk more about that in a second. And then in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about how at least a third of the angels at some point in time, before humans were created even, got into trouble. And they were banished as well. And so, and so the, we have the devil, and then we have these demons who are all fallen angels. And so you can see where that... Uh, where that is going. And so if angels are God's agents here, you know, traveling between, you know, the heavens and earth and doing God's work here um, as a class of, of folks not on the same level as us, um, demons work for the devil. And so that's kind of gives you the, the teammates in this battlefield that we're talking about tonight, the good guys and the bad guys. And so when we're talking about, I can see your faces, like, oh, you know, you're kind of looking... That'd be weird. Um, uh, you're not used to that by now. Yeah, that's true too, yeah. Um, and again, a lot comes that the feeling that you may or may not be having comes again from where you're coming from, from your experiences with this topic. But even churches as a whole um, usually um, come from two different places. Either um, we under um, underemphasize demonic influence. So you don't ever talk about this kind of stuff. And nothing is, is the fault of the devil or demons. Or we overemphasize it. That is, everything that goes wrong uh, is the devil's fault. Now, I happen to grow up in a household where my parents, especially my mom, talked about the devil all the time. So much so that when I was going through the ordination process and I was preparing my written exams, I wrote my papers, and then I had to meet with someone that was going to be like my advocate before the board, um, sort of like my lawyer. Well, one of the first questions or first statements she made when I sat down with her at the at the restaurant when we were going over my paperwork, she says, John, I kind of noticed that you write a lot about the devil. <laughs> and then, uh, so we had a fun little conversation about why I did And I actually said, well, it's my mother's fault. And I talked a little bit about how I grew up. Um, and so, yeah, maybe my mom kind of overemphasized the role of the devil. Um, but my advocate, my friend and colleague, um, she was probably coming from a place that underemphasized the role of the, the, the devil. And so the truth is somewhere in between is what we're trying to say here. Um, and so um, that's a good place to... to try to get to is that, yeah, they exist, um, but we can't blame everything on it, like, um, and, but, but, they, but we can't say that nothing is the cause uh, from the demons either. It's somewhere in between. 
Um, so what do demons do? And so if we want if we want to be delivered from demons, if we want miracles of deliverance, we've got to figure out what are we being delivered from. So we have to understand what demons do. Demons tempt us, tempt us to do things. And so you know the devil made me do it, just like we see in the movies. And you had a little devil on your shoulders. Of course, that's a cute version. That's not the reality. Um, but they tempt us. Um, and scripture will back this up. Um, just I'll just pick one of many, many, many different scriptures from 2 Timothy. And, and it says that demons, they will come to their senses and escape. Oh, we need to come to our senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And so the devil will say things to us and tempt, and tempt Catherine and say, Oh, Catherine, you deserve this. Do this. Even though this is something that's going to hurt her. Or, or Melissa, go ahead and, you know, touch this or smoke this or drink this. And those are her old sins that my mom used to be obsessed with. Um, or, um, you know, treat this person that way. Or go ahead and, and forget about reading the Bible. You already know it all. You don't need to pray. Prayer doesn't do anything. And that's all the different ways that the devil and the demons will, will tempt you. And so that's the number one thing is they will tempt us into going against God's will. Um, and, and sending in very particular ways. Um, and then, and then uh, also after the fact, we'll, we'll tempt us into believing that, that God is finished with us. And that's the other part of it. So we sin, and then it's also going to tempt us to, to not believe that God is forgiving and that God still loves us even though uh, we've made mistakes. The second thing that demons do is they distract us from God's will. And again, a scripture from Timothy, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And so demons love to distract us. So they not only tempt us, but they will distract us and put things in front of us that will cause us to, um, to go outside of God's um, will. will. And, and, that, that's, and the third thing demons like to do is to inflict suffering. And not just to, not just tempt us, not just to distract us, but actually um, inflict suffering. Um, one of the great miracle stories in the Gospel of Matthew, um, oh, I looked up there like we had it up there, um, is that the story where this boy was having seizures, and uh, they get word to Jesus, and he says, "Lord, you know, have mercy." Well, my kid, um, he's, he's having seizures. He's been suffering greatly. Sometimes he even falls in uh, to the fire, um, which always makes me think Pastor Melissa had a friend that she would fall into the fire at times, but she wasn't obsessed or she wasn't possessed. She was just usually drinking or doing whatever else she would do. Maybe I've said I mentioned your friends. She had bad friends. <laughs> they all needed to be delivered. We'll have to edit that from the video. Um, but anyway, um, I guess that wasn't funny. She didn't laugh. So anyway, this boy would fall into the fires. And so Jesus came over. He said, bring the boy to me. And he brought him over, and he laid hands on him, and he rebuked the... Uh, so he didn't just heal him from his seizures. He rebuked the demons. And the demons came out of the boy, and he was healed that very moment. And so it's a great story from Matthew that um, you should read for homework. But demons love to inflict suffering. Again, not all suffering, not all medical, not all conditions, and certainly not all seizures are because of a lot of times seizures are 
medical condition. Uh, but this particular case was uh, this kid was, um, you know, inflicted by demons. And so they tempt, um, they distract, and they like to inflict suffering. Um, and so that is how demons like to attack us on this battlefield. And they love to destroy and ruin and wreck, you know, destroy our marriages, ruin our lives, wreck our finances, steal joy, mess with our health, and crush our children. That's what demons do in particular. In the, within those three different categories. Um, and so that brings us to, you know, this idea of miracles. Do you believe in miracles? Do we believe we can be um, delivered from this? And what role do you and I play in this? Our scripture tonight was from the Gospel of Matthew that we read together, which is a great um, passage about sending out the disciples. What I love and was pointed out to me and, and by one of my seminary professors that I've never forgotten is just in this first verse of 10, uh, we have the 12 disciples that have been called are gathered here. And Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits to throw them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. And then in the very next verse, it says, here are the names of the 12 apostles. And so these disciples, they're called disciples in verse 1. They're called apostles, which means to be sent in chapter 2. And so, and so it's this transition. These, these disciples who have been watching Jesus do these kinds of things, healing and delivering, um, now they get to go out into the world and, and do the work in the name of Jesus. And so we, too are apostles of God. And so if we are in Christ and we believe in Christ and we're disciples of Christ and we're trying to live in God's will and we're being filled with God's grace, we are to be and are sent out into the world uh, and we have this miraculous authority to cast out demons and to heal um, and cast authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. We remember that Jesus, um, you know, defeated darkness at the cross. And Jesus says, I am the light, but we're the carriers of that light. And so if we stay home and we stay in our inner circle and we don't go out and have sent apostles, then we don't do our, our role in these um, kinds of things, including miracles of deliverance. We are to go out and be and to be sent. Um, and the one thing is, we are not going out with our own power. It doesn't say that these disciples were given power. It says they were given authority. Um, and so the great story um, that you know, I read from Craig Greshel is, or the great metaphor, is that we're fighting, um, again, not with our own power, but the power of Jesus. Jesus. And so he's, he gets us to think about a police officer who's standing maybe out here in the middle of Hanover Pike, Imagine a police officer standing out in the middle of the Hanover Pike, and there's a big tractor trailer, a big potato chip truck that always goes through at 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, they start standing out in the middle of the road and saying, stop. And the police officer has that authority. Now, he doesn't have the power to make that truck driver stop, but he has authority in the badge. He could say, I, I pictured Barney Fife from the 
Yeah. You know, he used to get, try to get people to do stuff and they would never do it. But he, by the power of the badge, the power or the authority of the badge that was invested in him, um, he has the authority to get the truck driver to stop, um, but he doesn't have the power. The power comes from the judge or the other folks that will deal with the truck driver later, whether he stops or not. Um, and so it's the same with us. Um, we have the authority because we have been infused by the power and great, or the grace and light of Jesus the Christ. Um, but it is the power of Jesus that will rebuke these demons and do the other miracles as we go forward. Um, and so this miraculous power of God um, and this same God who gives us the authority um, over this darkness is, is what we go forth with. And so um, if we find ourselves at a place where we are recognizing and discerning, um, and some people are better at discerning demonic forces than others. Pastor Melissa tends to have that gift of discernment. And she would tell you this is not a joke earlier bad joke that fell flat about her friend. This is not a joke. She has the discernment of spirit. So she's really in tune uh, with evil versus good type of spirits. But all of us have the authority. And all of us can recognize when you know when we need a, a prayer. So when we do recognize that something out of the ordinary is going on, that this is a battlefield between good and evil, you know, what do we do about it? don't have to be pastors to deal with it Um, because we all have the authority all those apostles have the authority so here's a couple things to do number one and going back to something earlier touching on it don't assume every problem is a result of demonic influence so again a seizure is exactly the same you know so if your loved one has a seizure don't automatically assume that's a worse and some people do that they'll say if in fact we'll say any sickness is due to some kind of evil influence or something you've done. That's not what we're saying here. So not everything is because of demonic influence. So don't make that assumption, number one. Number two, number two, don't assume any problem isn't the result of the devil. So you got to really, you know, go problem by problem, issue by issue, and, and try to discern and be prayerful. Is this an issue caused by, you know, an ordinary natural cause, or is this somebody that's being attacked or influenced by a demonic force and so that's a hard discernment and you might need help discerning that but but that is the first step is you got to figure out um, whether it is or isn't and then the second thing is a two-parter as well what do we do if we if we so now we've discerned that yes this is a demonic issue uh, or somebody's being the devil is attacking number one is you do what's natural to take care of the problem. So if the devil has attacked your mental health, then you go see a doctor or a counselor and you get psychological help. Okay, so you don't forfeit doing what's natural and what's logical. Um, if the devil has attacked your finances, you know, you make some practical steps to get your finances in order. Uh, but then you also fight against the supernatural or dark forces. And it could be a simple prayer. I hear Pastor Melissa all the time. Most times she's talking to me or the kids. You know, devil get behind me. Uh, but sometimes she's serious, and, and that is the devil's attacking our household or or whatever, and, and she rebukes 
safe um, to get things in order. And, and so that's, that's real. And so you do what's natural, and then you also take care of it. Um, you do prayerful, um, prayerfully um, rebuke the demonic forces. And sometimes it's really specific. And so sometimes it's a, you know, I haven't had any personal um, experience with someone that is possessed. But the exorcist, you know, we, we, you don't automatically dismiss that movie as a fairy tale. I mean, I, I, have you, I mean, I think we can agree that sometimes people are possessed and you need to, you know, cast out those demons. Um, Melissa's done house blessings for houses that were possessed. And she's rebuked the evil spirits in the houses. So that's, you know, part of the part of the warfare. Uh, but for these everyday practical things, do what's natural and then also be prayerful about um, rebuking as well. Um, but again, again, so so examples if you're battling, you know, we said some mental battling anxiety, you, you take you go to the doctor and then you pray in the name of Jesus for healing. If you're having some emotional issues or suffering, you get counseling. And then pray for deliverance as well. Um, if you have a child that's rebelling, lay Marley. She's not. You, know, you take her, well, this is good. You take her phone away or her iPad, um, and she'll usually straighten up right away. Um, and then you can pray uh, pray for her for her as well and for her spiritual protection. Um, if you're, you or a loved one's battling alcohol, you go to a 12-step program. That's the practical. Uh, but then you also... Ask for spiritual victory over it, too. And so these are both. These aren't and, and ors. Um, and physically sick as well. You know, you go and make the appropriate appointments or take the right medicine. And then also ask for uh, God to bind up the work of the enemy. Um, and so those are some practical things to do in terms of, in, in, in terms of looking for a miracle of deliverance. But above all else, as we, we close out this week one of uh, when pigs fly, is is to, to believe that you know this demonic influence can be real, can be the real source of your problems or the problems of a loved one, and that we do have authority uh, to call on the name and the power of Jesus to deal with it, um, and so to not dismiss the possibility that what we are really um, in need of is a miracle for God to break into the lives of us uh, or our loved ones uh, when something is going on here. Um, if we don't believe in miracles of deliverance, then we're dismissing a large portion of our scriptural um, writings and our, our personal experience as, um, as such. Um, so I, th- I don't think that's a way to go in terms of our faith. Uh, we need to believe and cling power of Christ and our authority authority to call on that in order to, to uh, navigate this world that is certainly filled with darkness. But we have the antidote, we have the balm, uh, and that is Jesus the Christ, who is the light of the world. Call on his name and rebuke that anytime we're in this spiritual darkness. So as we close out, I want you to say, now because on Sunday we might have an altar call, I don't know. Uh, but for, for tonight, you can just say uh, out loud, you can repeat after me. I'll say it all the way through, and then if you need to re- you can repeat it first. I take authority over the darkness in the name of Jesus the Prince. 
I take authority over the darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. So now we're going to pause as we go 